Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How to be fulfilled and have fun in business. Welcome to Someone Gets Me, and I have a great guest for us today. Celeste Clancy and I have known each other for quite some time. And I first met her at this really amazing event out on the beach, and we had so much fun. But the thing that really drew me to Celeste was her authenticity and the fact that she's a genuine person who just really cares about people. And the funny thing is she works in like the money industry. So you wouldn't think that a money person would be so human. And Celeste <laughs> is that. And so I invited her to be on the show so that we could talk about how to be fulfilled in your business and how to have a lot of fun because she can do both of those. She's very fulfilled and she has a lot of fun. So I thought that it would be really good. So if you don't own a business and you're thinking, well, I don't want to hear this show, you do want to hear the show because your own life is your masterpiece. It's your business card. It is your business. So anything we're talking about that's business related also applies to our personal lives. So get your coffee, get a pen and paper and get ready because Celeste has some great tips lined up for you so that you can be more fulfilled and have a whole bunch of fun along the way. So Celeste, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I've been very, very much looking forward to this. I'm so excited to have you because there's so many things to talk about. So let's just get into it. Yes, ma'am. Tell everybody a little bit about what drew you to working in the financial field. Like, because to meet you, you're so friendly and down to earth. And then when you say you do money, it's like, it, it's just a cognitive weirdness. <laughs> so what drew you into that industry and into that field? Like, what was the interest point? The, um, you know, that's a really great question because I've spent my entire adult life in and around the finance field. And I was actually, uh, my initial step into college was I was going to be an accountant um, because I, I get numbers. And to me, numbers tell a story. Mm -hmm. So if you can slow down and understand what story that numbers might be telling you, that's the stuff that jazzes me. So I like to dig and dig and dig. So when I kind of go backwards introspectively to find out why I ended up in that, when I started accounting, I'm like, man, I get this. This is like completely, I get it. I cannot spend my entire life around a room full of dry, boring accountants. So I lasted about a semester and a half in my, I mean, I made it through all the classes that I needed to, but like about a semester and a half in, I went, I am not, <laughs> I cannot possibly be in this accountant field or, or this world. So while I was going through college, I ended up uh, with a job in a very small credit union and started learning how the industry works because financial literacy was not my background and was not in my background per se. Um, but I just got it. But the, but the things that I enjoyed was the human interaction and the understanding of concepts and then bringing those concepts to life. It's probably what, what's kept me around the money field forever. 
Oh, that's really amazing. Numbers tell the story. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people who are into numbers and you're the first person who has ever said it that way. So have you ever had time in your, any time in your life where you had struggles with overthinking and just getting in those, those cognitive loops that you're like, I wonder where they're going or just thinking, thinking, thinking. And, and maybe have you even struggled with like actually being able to take action because you were thinking too much? Is that ever happened? Uh, analysis by paralysis? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Analysis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Analysis paralysis. Um, you know me very well, don't you? <laughs> it's um, part of why I think I, I stick around in the industry is because I want to get to the other side of that aspect. So the way I find ways to overcome it because it would be a very, if, if I let my brain just kind of go where it needs to go or go where it's going to go, I can kind of get stuck in those loops because you can, you can look at something lots of different ways and have lots of different outcomes, but essentially at some point you have to make a decision and move forward. Right. Um, so I, I, I found that I take care of my love of this sticking in analysis area as one aspect of my interactions with my clients. The other part that feeds my soul and my interactions with my clients is the time that I'm talking with them and eliciting responses and um, getting into their dreams and their hopes and their wishes. So I kind of short circuit my loop by knowing that I'm going to be with them and talking to them. So I kind of get it out on the side. And then when I'm with them, then I can kind of just let my hair down and be. So you're one of those closet overthinker analysis people. (laughs) (laughs) You're guilty as charged, but not everybody can see it happen. I, you know, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, and yes. But it's, but it's also served me well because my, my awareness of it, um, I think it's really served me enough to say, ah, you know, there was a big, there's a big other world out, out there. Um, and I have a lot of fun out there. So when I get overwhelmed with the lots of interaction with people then I can find solitude and solace and going back to my numbers. And, and, and so it's a really kind of nice little pendulum that I have going on in my life. I know when to stop when I go, yep, it's time. I got to go interact with some people because this isn't serving me. So now I I, I have a burning question. (laughs) So now (laughs) you you know how to stop. Yes. Like going from way over here, overthinking to way over here, too many people. Yeah. uh, Okay. And you know how to, how to stop. When did you learn how to stop and what do you, what do you do to stop? Like, how does that work? It's a continuum. It's just like the pendulum, you know. Um, uh, I guess I've been I've been studying myself long enough now, and I've been learning and working in this whole professional development aspect of my own life that I go, "Ooh, I got this feeling inside of me that I better start paying attention to because if I don't if I don't listen to it long enough, it's going to get louder and louder." And so I have practiced and engaged over and over again to try to recognize it faster and faster you know when there's overwhelm we simply need to disengage right i think a lot of the folks that were probably coming to you and listening to you have this overwhelm 
um, aspect of their lives sometimes where they don't know where to go with it. And um, we can use it for, we can use it for good in terms of the aha and then, and then learn to step away. So I, I've done a lot of work on myself in the last four or five years where I'm beginning to see it faster and I can react faster. So and then there are some times when I, there are those times when I go, oh my God, I'm like in this boohoo thing and I give you a call or I give a couple of my <laughs> friends a call to kind of like, well, it's like a needle on a record, you know, that's stuck. Well, for people that don't know what record albums are, I'm showing my age, right? But, <laughs> yeah, but you remember when, the, when it used to get stuck and you just have to go and kind of like give it a little nudge? Yep. Reaching out to the to the people in my world and my circle just occasionally give me the nudge that I need to to get outside of it. Well, and that's uh, that's what I was gonna ask you is like, okay, so you notice that you're overthinking and you're stuck. What's the tip to how to be fulfilled and get out of it? And you just said it was was to reach out and connect with somebody that you trust or that you could talk to, and then that kind of gives you the nudge, and then then now we're on the new groove. Yeah, and I think and how many times do you talk to people and they go, I know the answer. I just can't, I just can't get there. And some, and that is in the interaction with other people to say, uh, all right. Yep. Stop mm -hmm. it. <laughs> Stop it and move on. Oh yes. So how about procrastination? Oh, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> Does procrastination have any, any place? You know what I've like, come to know, notice about myself with procrastination? And I finally started to make peace with procrastination in the last two years or so. I used to think procrastination was a bad thing, like everybody, right? You have this stigma around procrastination, particularly when I'm preparing to, to speak publicly mm. or to um, have uh, a, a particularly large conversation with a client. And I used to think, what is wrong with me? Why do I wait till the last minute? Why do I, why, what is this? Why can't I prepare two or three days ahead? I can have this nice, neat stack on my desk and, and I'm good to go, right? And all I have to do is walk into the appointment and I'm fine. Um, and I come to terms with the fact that procrastination isn't really the bad negative thing. Procrastination in me is mm -hmm. my brain isn't, hasn't fully had all the light bulb moments yet. And that if, I, if I'm pushing away from coming to sit down at my desk or to pick up the pen or to start writing or whatever I need to do, it really is that my brain or my soul or, or whatever is inside of me mm -hmm. is not quite yet cooking. It's not finished baking yet. Um, and trusting that the answers always come right at the right time. And, they, and it really, it, it's, it's never failing. But if I don't have trust in it, then it gets further and further away. So the procrastination can get quite difficult without that trust and without that leaning into the, the part where the, the, the spirit hasn't hit me yet to put the right words together. So how is, in your experience, like how is procrastination different from adjusting timing? Can you ask that in a different way? So... When I hear you describe what you're talking about with procrastination and waiting for it all, I, I, I imagine like the alignment needs to happen so that the soup is made and now we, we have all the pieces kind of lined up. Mm -hmm. And so 
that all makes sense. And so then I'm wondering how that is different from you saying, well, it's not the right time to talk to that person, or maybe it's not the right time for me to, to write this blog or take care of this thing over here. And I need to adjust my external timing because it seems like the procrastination is more of an internal piece. And I'm wondering if timing is like more of the external piece or the, the play out or something. I don't know. It just seems like that would be a very interesting similarity slash difference. And they probably play into each other. I think they do because, and I'll give you an example of what you, what you just made me think of. I had, um, I had scheduled an appointment to speak with uh, a friend, colleague of mine mm -hmm. uh, for this morning. And I hadn't spoken with him in quite, gosh, it's been months. And we need, I, just, I just have felt the need to, to get reconnected with him. Um, and we finally got the appointment on the books. It was going to happen this morning at 10 o'clock. And usually I do a little bit of prepping when I haven't spoken with somebody for a while. And I hadn't come to the prepping yet. And usually I'm like taking some, some notes out the day ahead and then I'm putting mm -hmm. it all together close right. to the time that I need it. And I went to bed last night with the intention that I knew how I was going to set up the rest of my morning to prepare for, for my 10 o'clock. Um, but I had this inkling in the back of my head, something's up and I don't know what. And sure enough, I got an email. It was like, it was date stamped at about 1.30 this morning. I had gotten up to go to the washroom and very bad habits of checking the phone in the middle of the night. Um, I got an email from him and it said, I hate to do this to you. My dog of 15 years had passed away. And I just thought I was going to be up to being able to just sitting together, but we're just not. And I, and the minute I read it, like before, I didn't even open it. I hadn't even read it yet. And I knew that this just wasn't the timing. It just wasn't right. So um, was I procrastinating on getting, getting prepared? Perhaps. But there was something inside of me that, that just was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure that this one was going to happen. And, and it turned out that way. So I think, I think the answer is both. You, you got me on that one. I really do think it's a bit of both. I mean, mm -hmm. if, well, because people are sending energy and vibes to you, right? And so as it turned out, his dog had passed away at had Monday morning. So I was probably feeling some of the energy and I didn't, I wasn't aware of it because he hadn't put it, posted it anywhere on, on Facebook or what have you. Um, that something was not quite up and not quite right to, to happen. So I, I would have to go with B, your answer, that it's probably internal and external. There are well, times when it, we just don't want to do something, right? I mean, procrastination well, can be that, too. I think, it, I think it's yes and to all of it, right? And I think that a lot of times when we're procrastinating, there's a fear undercurrent where I'm either um, afraid I'm not going to get it done or afraid not to do it perfectly or afraid something. There's a fear undercurrent where there's an emotion fear or an existential fear. Yeah. And then there's the procrastination that a lot, a lot of us gifted people have that, well, you might take four hours to get it ready, but I can do it in 20 minutes. <laughs> and so it's that time optimism in that part of, well, I don't need as much time as other people need. So I got this at the end and then it blows up in their face or intuition steps in and we can pull it off. Right. So right. there's that kind of procrastination. There's all different parts of it. That's why I, I like to ask that about, 
people like you who are fulfilled in your business and you're having fun and, and your, your overall life is fun and fulfilled. It's not just in your work. And so we, I think we've all had to figure out how to deal with procrastination and our perception of procrastination. Like, is it even really procrastination? Like, so did you procrastinate this morning or did you intuitively know something was up and you trusted that even if you consciously didn't know? But once you saw the email, then you had that knowingness. Mm-hmm. That's an intuitive connection. So, and I and I, I guess as time has gone on, I've come to realize that I have more intuition than I had even really consciously acknowledged. Um, my gut seldom, seldom is wrong, for the good and for the bad, right? And so, if something mm-hmm. is feeling bad, so I think it's that the part of honoring that in myself to say, oh, you know, stop beating yourself up for, for, mm-hmm. for this, that, or the other. Right. Um, and I hate to, cause it's not a blase go with the flow, whatever happens happens. I mean, uh, particularly in my world, right. If I'm not prepared, mm-hmm. there's very, very real consequences to that. Um, and um, I often live with the thought of, you know, I have to look myself in the mirror at the end of the day if I haven't presented the best information to a client um, because their family can be impacted if I don't really make the case. Right. So I could never be blase in what I do. It's just not, it's not a part of who I am. So um, I guess I've just eradicated the word procrastination. Uh, It's not really kind of a consideration in the context of, what I think the general public thinks of as procrastination. And I think what you bring up is a good point about your intuition is it's not like woo woo and blase. It's a, it's a very vital part of your intellect. And, you know, Forbes magazine and other places have said that intuition is the highest form of intelligence. And so what you're saying is that the more you've understood, you naturally have it, the more you use it, the more you trust it. And therefore living in that, realm as well as living in the realm of the physical like getting the numbers together and doing the things and getting all the stuff together that it's the marriage of those two things that allows you to feel fulfilled yes and and that's been a hard one um observation in myself Mm -hmm. because i'm in a field that is empirical right i mean numbers are black and white Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you can't really, and I don't deal with, um, uh, I deal mostly in the risk, uh, area, life insurance, disability coverage, that kind of thing. I don't deal in, um, the market and, uh, wealth management anymore, but I can't just say, Hey, you know, I got a hunch that this is just going to go really well and not, <laughs> and not have the data behind it. Right. I can't, I can't just say, well, I think the insurance company is going to make an offer of life insurance to you and not have some empirical you know, information behind what I do. But the other swing of the pendulum in this industry is everything is black and white. And um, it's very factual and how I'm going to approach my interactions with clients is going to be very factual. This way I'm going to get all the data so I can go back to my office and do all the computations that I need to do. And then boom, this is the empirical uh, recommendation that I mm-hmm. need to, to present. In fact, the industry is actually grappling with it, which, and I've been finding um, 
some really blessed uh, interactions that way because I'm being asked by more insurance companies and other in, in the industry to have this conversation and say, what's the secret sauce do you think about women in the industry, for instance, what have you? And my, my response to that invariably is, women ask better questions than men. <laughs> I hate this to be a sexist thing. I'm not trying to be sexist, but I think that the, the, what a woman brings to the table in this field mm -hmm. goes beyond just data and just black and white. And this is how it has to be because we're, inter we're interacting with people, right? So um, that's a mm -hmm. long, long <laughs> explanation, but um, intuition has to come to play because we have to know how to elicit responses from our, the people that we're interacting with. Right. And you know what I'm thinking of too, that it's, that's really exciting. I had no idea this is where the questions were going to go, by the way, but I am sitting here thinking, well, of course women ask better questions because genetically it's relational. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring the love of the numbers and the story of the numbers and the empirical part, and you add the importance of the relational part and honoring both, then it is the magic sauce, right? Because don't most people, I mean, I see all the research that most people make their buying decisions emotionally. Mm -hmm. So even things that have to do with money, there's a lot of emotion around money in every different angle. That's a whole nother podcast. Right. Or two or three, right? Yeah, or like <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, multiple episodes yeah. on that. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of people use their emotions to help lead the way. Like, mm -hmm. I like this person, or this person's friendly, or I, I trust them. They have good eye contact, or they dress the right way, or whatever it is, right. along with whatever the facts are, right. in order to make a decision on what to do. Do you see that? Or is that oh, just yeah. me just making that up in my head? No, I'm just... no, 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 no. I came into the industry after losing a job in, in 08. So I had no intention of going into the financial services world. Um, in, it's particularly in, in the, the way with which I interact with people. And, um, and so not knowing in the industry, I had a, lot of, a huge learning curve. I had, to, I had to learn product and I had to learn sales because I had never been in sales before. Um, although, you know, I, I know that you're going to laugh at this, but everyone sells. If we're talking, we're selling, right? Or if, if I'm going to engage in a relationship with you in any way, friendship, whatever, neighbor, what have you, right. we're selling ourselves, right? But um, so I had to learn, I was learning all of these uh, concepts and, and what have you. And I would be told, these are the things that I needed to do. And this is the things that I needed to say. And internally, I'm screaming, going, no, I need to connect with the person across the desk for me. You know? Right. I, so I would go to sales conferences and I would go to other trainings throughout my career. And this concept of facts tell, stories sell kept coming up like it was this big epiphany. And I would think to myself, well, yeah. <laughs> of right. course, because people need to need to understand how things relate to to um, their lives before any decision is going to be made. Right. So with, if somebody says sales don't happen in the absence of value, the minute they understand value, then, then a, a transaction will happen. That's relationship building. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I don't have the ability to articulate to that individual how 
X, Y, or Z can impact their life, then I'm lost and they're lost too. And there's a bigger thing at play in that aspect. So I really, really quickly, as I started this, started understanding how am I going to leverage my ability to build relationships with people into something that's going to be impactful. And, um, and hopefully I can make a living at it too. Right. So. Oh, that's really, I, yeah. I love that combination and, and that using your intuition along with those things is kind of like, so it's like a, I'm talking to you and I'm kind of seeing like a tripod, right? Like the intuition piece and the relational piece and the numbers piece, you know, all, all kind of co cohabitating, coexisting, mingling together, braiding together, you know, like all of those things. That's how I see it. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is a unique ability of a lot of visionary people to be able to bring more things together than just being a specialist and this is how I do it and this is all it is. So what are some specific things you've done to help yourself have even more fun in your life? If you're fulfilled oh. in fun, what, what have you done to help yourself really experience being fulfilled and having fun? Because that's what we're talking about, how to do yeah. it. So yeah. there's somebody listening to us. We're in many countries, right? And there's somebody listening to us. Yeah, but that all sounds really good. And that's really, she's got it all down, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're, they're trying, their ego, that's not their amigo is trying to negate what you're saying. <laughs> right. Right. So right. how did you get there? Like, what kinds of things do you do that have helped you have more fulfilled fun? I'm looking up to the right, right? Because my brain is going, how did I get here? Right. And, and first of all, I, I pretty much prescribe to the fact that I'm never done and I'm never going to get it wrong and I'm never done. Right. And so I don't know that I have it all down for, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think, um, oddly enough, I was learning about marketing, which is one of the, one of the areas in college that I hated the most, <laughs> So I really, really, really stayed away. I went to management. I did my, my degree ultimately was in business communication. And I'm like, this marketing thing, it's just all foo-foo and ethereal and I just don't want to do it. So uh, then I quickly realized that if I was going to be a commission-based professional, that I have to learn how to market myself. And so I'm starting to learn who it is that I want to talk to. And I started having a lot of ahas around realizing and I don't even remember exactly who put it to me. It probably it came to me probably in a couple of different ways. But ultimately, people started asking me, who do you like to be around? Mm -hmm. And I went, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, think of, the, think of the client that you had the absolute most um, fun time. That if they were going to call you right now and you saw their number or their name on your ID, your caller ID, that you would have a grin from ear to ear and pick up that phone all day, every day. And then what are their attributes? Like what are, what's about them? I laugh a lot with them. Um, they're open with me and I can, uh, I've learned about their families and um, it's not all about let's just get to business. And, and when I started dissecting who it is that person really makes me light up. And then the other side of that always has to be, well, who's the person that like, you know, when, when they're, their number and their name is on that phone, you go, 
I really need to take a deep breath before I, before I answer this call, or I think I need to stop. And what are those attributes and why does that circumstance make me feel that way? And then go, I want to do more of that and a whole lot of less of that. And then that is the, and, and so as I started formulating what that person is all about, that's what started attracting itself to me. And so that awareness of that kind of started building some momentum yeah. until I finally said to myself, and we had talked about this earlier, um, I simply get up in the morning and say, if, if it doesn't bring me joy, if this, this appointment doesn't bring me joy, or if interacting with this person doesn't bring me joy, then I simply don't want to do it. It doesn't give me permission to be a jerk to them, obviously. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's perfectly okay to say, I'm not the best person for you. Let's go find the best person that's probably the best person to serve you. And by doing that, I'm serving myself, right? So, um, and then it just bleeds out into my regular life. And I, I refuse to not let my regular outside business life not bleed into my my business life. So now I, I find myself, it's really rather seamless. Most of my clients become, um, I become part of their world and they become part of mine. Um, and so, yeah, it makes putting my head on the pillow a heck of a lot better. Right. It's a lot more fulfilling. And so, and so that using that discernment, that ability to discern what it is that does bring me joy. So that's, that's what you do. Everybody is you start asking yourself, what brings me joy? Who brings me joy? What's happening around certain things that make me smile and laugh? And I grab that phone all day long. I'm getting goosebumps even saying it. <laughs> and then there's a ones where it's like, oh, I think I need to take a step back. In fact, let's let it go to voicemail. Maybe I'll call back in a minute or I have to take a breath. There is an energy difference. There is a way of seeing it differently. So being able to step back and do that discernment so that we can really get clear on what it is that brings us joy because then from there, we become more fulfilled in everything that we do. And you find yourself running to that, right? Yes. And so I, I had this introspective period of time when I go, gosh, I went to college and I wanted to be a business communications major because I wanted to be in training and development. Well, here I am. I'm, gonna, I'm a professional development trainer in, uh, in, get this, marketing systems for businesses, <laughs> Right. And I absolutely love it. In fact, it's like the days that I get to present are the days that I like just jump out of bed and I'm jazzed for another three hours after my time together with them is done. And I get to ask them what it is they want to accomplish by the time we're, we're done. And when I get to share with them, I love light bulb moments. I love them. I love like seeing somebody's face light up and going, Oh my God, I didn't even, I, oh, really? I didn't even think about it that way. That's the stuff that brings me joy. And, um, and so it's been cool to watch and, and feel everything kind of come full circle from way back when I was, you know, way young and how it's kind of presented itself in my life now. And that, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think that especially with visionaries, that everything's like linear, you know, like we get up and this is what we do. And then we plan yes. out and we can make all the best plans for our career in the world. But had you stayed with that being in the stoic accounting around all those boring people and thought that you could do that all day and then go have a life after, 
um, you would be miserable today. Mm -hmm. And you would maybe if it was a generation or two ago, you would have stayed miserable because you wouldn't have given yourself permission necessarily to do something different. And, and so many people, I think today in the world, this pandemic that's going on and all these changes are giving people permission that maybe never gave themselves permission before to say, hold on a second. What is it that brings me joy? What makes my heart sing? And how can I use that in a way that's fulfilling? I don't have to be stuck anymore. And I think that's a really important point that your trajectory was not a straight line. Oh God, no. <laughs> you know, but in, in no way straight, straight no, 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 not, <laughs> not at all. Right. Because you, you had to go and explore all these things and learn all these things and make friends with things you thought you hated that you really love, but you weren't really sure. And now, you know, you're teaching people how to have joy. You're teaching people how to see things differently. Your reframe projects, part of that. You're doing all of these things that have to do with personal and business development being seamless. And I always say, if you're going to be a business owner or work in a business, actually, nobody underneath you can get beyond you in your own development. So if we're not always working on ourselves, it's really difficult to grow our business beyond whatever that level of consciousness we are, are mm-hmm. is at the moment, which is an important piece that you're always developing and growing yourself, which then makes helping other people a lot easier. The thing that I had to chip, chip away at in my own uh, mindset was because I'm an analytic, right? And because I, I have those tendencies to get stuck, um, life for me was often and I have to do this and, I mean, excuse me, I have to do this or this. I have to do this or this. And this, the needle thing again, right? I, I've, I like slowly had surrounded myself with people that said, Celeste, it doesn't have to be an or, it can be an and. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, okay, sure. You know, and then move on. (laughs) Let me chew on that some more. (laughs) Let me think on that some more. And, and it just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And so the, the sooner that I made, or as, as I started to make friends with the word and, uh, man, things started getting a whole lot easier. And I, and I won't lie to you. I still get, I still have my very strong natural habits. Right. And then go, Oh, stop it. We can do why, what says I can't, what is there that says that I can't do both? I can't, you know, I, and I, I've struggled with what's my voice going to be in the world. Is it going to be a financial advisor or is it going to be a professional speaker that wants to share this fulfillment conversation or this reframing conversation? Why can't I be both? And it turns out that it is anyway, because that's exactly how I interact with financial clients and actually how I interact with people out in the world. You know, sometimes I don't even bring the financial part of it. I'm still doing this anyway. So, um, and is a pretty important word. Yes. It's yes. The answer is yes. All right. Am I a speaker and I teach this stuff? Yes. Am I? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I'm that too. Because the answer is yes. It's yes. And, you know, and that's a powerful, that's another powerful tool and a little tip that you just shared with everybody about adding the word and in and releasing the word or would really pay off in a lot of ways because who said you can't? Where did you get that belief? And then, and, and I, the, the, what kept going through my head when you were speaking was never let a lie go unchallenged. <laughs> you know, when we tell ourselves lies in our yes. head all the time, because we pick them up along the way. And when you were saying who said it can't be 
both you're challenging that belief system lie that somehow got in you before you could defend against it or knew to. And sometimes it's that, that, that changes everything when we challenge the old lies in our head because they don't, we don't need them. I, I wish I could, well, so we're going to, we're going to take a little, a little turn into my financial world because mm-hmm. that is, that conversation is the conversation I have with my financial clients that really um, speaks to very specific people because they have to be willing to be open to hear the conversation that I'm going to challenge what you always thought of as conventional wisdom as it relates to money and your, and your numbers in your life. Are you okay with that? And there are times when those, those clients that just argue for their limitations, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but all of society says this is what I should say. Marketing tells me this is what I need to do. And I said, yes, that's true. You're being bombarded with these conversations. They don't necess- they're not necessarily your truth. They don't have to be your truth. Mm-hmm. There can be some, some, a different way to look at it and get the outcome that you're hoping to get. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So reframing is so important and, and you, you probably have to do that so often and all the time that it's like a natural, it's so natural to you that it, you can do it sleeping. So for those people who don't understand what reframing is, would you give a little bit of an understanding of what it is we're talking about for the person who's going reframe? I don't know what they're talking about. And so they can understand. And then and then what I want to tell all of you is if what Celeste is saying is really ringing true for you, all our contact information is in the show notes. Contact her, check it out, and have a conversation with her. You'll see that light bulbs will go off, and she loves those aha moments. So what is reframing? So let me, let me describe reframing, not necessarily as it relates to money, but just in general what it, by way of an example. Mm-hmm. So it's the summertime. And even though some of us may not be able to go to the beach, some of us are blessed to go to the beach. And one of the accoutrements to going to the beach is having a nice, bright beach ball, right? So we get to the, we get to the beach, we blow up the beach ball, we've got this great, great big ball, and it has what around it? What does it have around it, Diane? All the stripes of different colors. All the stripes of different colors. So if I'm holding it in front of me, mm-hmm. and you're looking at it, mm-hmm. I'm asking you, what do you see? I see pink and blue with a little bit of white on the side. Really? Okay, cool. I see red and yellow with a little bit of white on the side. But it's now this, if, hold on a second. <laughs> is this a beach ball? Yes. It's still round. Mm-hmm. It's still full of air. It still bounces when we bounce it up in the air. And when I turn it, I see what you see. And now you begin to see what I see. So it's still a ball, but sometimes someone needs to come along to just turn the ball a little bit for you to see what's on the other side as well. It doesn't make it less of a ball, right? Mm -hmm. So reframing is just taking the concept that is common to folks and, and, showing it from a different perspective so that they can see it and make some decisions based on the full picture or another side of the picture as well. 
So we stay stuck in our, our, in our commonalities and our common stories all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't always have to be that way. And so I like to do that with the money conversation with folks all the time. Call it out-of-the-box thinking. Call it unconventional thinking. Um, I like to be able to help people see money from a different angle so that they can make decisions based on a larger picture. So when you can, they can see it from the larger picture, it helps allay fear. Mm-hmm. And fear is so restrictive that if we respond to fear all the time, then it's going to self-perpetuate. You know, it's going to create the very problem we're afraid of having. And so reframing is a really powerful way to, ha- to not only help you see what they're seeing so you can help them better, but also so they can understand what you're seeing so they can receive the help better. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. yes. And so sometimes, well, and I, always, and I tell people, say it in a different way, right? Um, fear is so powerful that it just, it's like glue. We stay stuck in it. Mm-hmm. And if I can't help people see things from a different perspective, I can't get them. I can't help them get unstuck. I don't get them unstuck. They have to take the next, the, the first step and then the next step and the next step. But um, if I don't have the ability to communicate something slightly differently, they may be stuck in this, in this loop of, what if or what is all the time so oh that's so i and i love i love telling people if you could do multiple things with the same dollar is that something that's of value to you right Mm -hmm. people are like are you kidding i can accomplish two things with that one dollar yes let's explore that conversation so um that's a whole i could talk for hours about that i don't think i don't want to get too down into the into the details on that aspect of it but the powerful question that was posed to me that started making me really take in this truth was a question that someone said to me if everything you thought you knew about money turned out not to be true when would you want to know and i went stop yesterday <laughs> yesterday and I, and that made me begin to explore the how to how to articulate some conversations with clients in a very specific way so i think there's a very powerful message here that transcends just the money conversation but it comes out of this conversation and that is just because we believe something doesn't make it true <laughs> and it's yes. important to be to remain open-minded that's how we have fulfillment in life and that's how we have joy is to remain open-minded and say, well, wait a second, what if it was different? Or how would I know this? And to pay attention to our intuition and discernment. And so many of the things that you've already mentioned, you've like given us so much. It's crazy. And, and um, I ha- but I have one more question. <laughs> Just one? Just one? Well, I have a lot more. I have a lot more, but this is, is, it has nothing really to do with what we're talking about, but it does have to do with belief systems. Okay. What's the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Oh, like as you've traveled the world, you've been around, you, um, you have so many amazing life experiences. And I'm really curious, like memorable, like when you look back and go, yeah, either like, I can't believe I ate it or it was really good. Like what's the most memorable one? I, you know what, once we get off of the air, I'm going to think of like 20 other ones because (laughs) I've lived in Europe and, you know, like I don't even know how many countries I've been to and what have you. I think 
Hmm. Probably fairly boring, but I've eaten Croatian food, like the like Eastern Eastern Bloc food, meat and potatoes food, um, is the most fascinating and most interesting food that I've ever eaten. So going to uh, Croatian restaurants and going to uh, Bosnian restaurants um, kind of sticks in my head. I think all, if, I, if you had to give me, where would you like to eat? I want to eat my way through Europe again. <laughs> I do. It's just, uh, it's an experience rather than just, you know, grab our fast food and, and leave. There's a, a much slower pace in Europe so that when you're going to dine, you're, you're having an experience. And it's usually around relationships and what have you. So I think it's more relationship-driven experientially than the food itself. Oh, that's wonderful. And if, so, you could, and if I could eat fruit in Hawaii again, or when I eat, when I go back to Hawaii, that, that'll probably top the list as well. Mm-hmm. I always ask, I ask that question only to the people I know have been around a lot and I know you've traveled a lot and lived in lots of places. And I'm like, I just have to know what her most memorable food is because it, it, to me, it's exciting um, because taste and community and connection is so important for visionaries. It helps us feel understood by others. It, it kind of, it transcends all the other things that can happen. You know, when you break bread with somebody, there's, there's a feel, there's a vibe. There's a in it. flood of memories, you know. I don't know about you, but it, uh, olfactory to me is extremely important mm-hmm. when it comes to memories. Yep. Um, and I think that's what comes to mind when you ask me what's the most memorable. It's usually it deals with community. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Perfect. So if you li- if you're loving everything that Celeste is saying half as much as I am, because I am having a blast, then make sure that you check out the show notes and make sure that you contact her because and follow her on social media and stuff because here's the deal when you are listening to something or watching us and you feel your heart sing there's a reason to be connected so reach out to celeste or reach out to me but don't just sit there and keep that cool heart singing feeling to yourself because when you do that you cheat yourself and everyone else Thank you so much for this. I so I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It's so much fun, and I have I have one more. I have another question. (laughs) Bring it, bring it. Um, Because I just I am curious, and um, because I want to know what you would put on your billboard if you were to have a billboard that everyone could see, and you know it's going to say dot 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 Celeste. Well, it self speaks. Cell you know? speaks, right? I grew up being called cell, so cell speaks being being that. And I think, hmm, I have to come up with a visual to go with it. There's something that shows probably uh, a microphone or a podcast vision with cell speaks mm-hmm. with it, and probably something very pretty behind scenery. Mm-hmm. Hawaii nice. wouldn't Hawaii wouldn't be a bad thing. Okay, so there you go, a beautiful picture of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Paradise Joy would Joy. be on <laughs> Celeste's billboard. So I know we've covered a lot. Is there anything that's on your heart that you want to share before we end the show? I just I would invite everyone that's listening to listen to their heart, to ask to to take a few minutes to go inside of themselves and to ask them what makes their heart smile. 
and then run towards that. Oh, there you have it. What makes your heart smile and then run towards that? How perfect. Celeste, thank you so much for being on the show today and taking valuable time out of your day to sit here and have this great conversation about being fulfilled and having joy in our lives. And so thank you so much for your time. Thank you, my friend. So remember everybody to put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and make a difference and let your light shine. And until the next episode, here, if someone gets me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.